Eagles by eight. Brady lines them up. He's back again. He steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone, and it is batted around and incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere. This is for you. Let the celebration begin. Hey man, if this is a dream, don't wake me up. The Eagles have won the Super Bowl. Oh my goodness. 41 to 33. Sorry to interrupt, but I got a special fan for you. How's Kevin Hart for you? I'm sorry, Fly Eagles Live. That's right, babe. Hey, Kevin. Fly Eagles Fly. Thank you. As we're live here on uh, Game Day Prime on NFL Network. I've been drinking. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on cloud nine. You started the celebration early. No, I'm, I started the celebration early, but I, I'm having a good time. Get off of me. Uh, to all the kids out there, I just want to say don't drink. You know, when alcohol is in your system, you do dumb stuff. Me trying to go on stage with the trophy is definitely in the top two stupidest things I've ever done. But who cares? The Eagles won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm still a little tipsy, but the world can kiss my ass. Yeah, wear your socks. Shut up, bitch. I ain't got socks on because I'm tipsy. And my wife was the first one that said, babe, don't go up there. I told my wife, "Be no, honey, chill out. We'll Who do. gives a shit? Go, Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hey, Fuck we'll it. Do. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Like, Brian. Yeah, Brian. Yeah. What's your deal, man? Well, you know what us ultra-liberals say. When it comes to drugs, lies are okay. Your midweek download destination. Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanooga. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years... Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to the Stone on Air podcast, the weekly dose for February 7th, 2018. Five shows into the new year, and we're flying right on by, as we do each and every year in our adult lives, at Stone on Air and all social media. Left all my news and notes and everything I was going to do at my other job earlier. I'll get to more of that here in a minute. And what I do every week is that I piece together ideas between really Wednesday, but probably more like Thursday and into the weekend, through the weekend and into Monday, and then I start kind of formulating some ideas, jot them down in the memo, uh, meaning I jot it down, uh, enter it into my phone, or literally jotting it down on a piece of paper. And sometimes I have lots and lots of topics, and I'll, you know, go through them and see which ones I like more than others and see which ones I want to spend more time on than others. And sometimes I have very little. And there's either uh, a couple different reasons for that, or there's more than a couple. There's several different reasons for that. Uh, a couple of the more prominent would be just, there just ain't a hell of a lot going on. That's Sometimes that's part of it. Uh, working in radio every single day in the uh, spoken word format, it's very difficult when there's not a whole lot going on. 
Um, sometimes it's just because of failure to uh, to be uh, diligent in the process, which is actually seldom. It's less of the time. I'm actually pretty good at that because I actually just enjoy, uh, even if I don't use it in any kind of uh, content creation, if you will, I still like to you know kind of evaluate what's going on around me. I have a little mixture of it all the last week or so, and uh, I'll get to that as to how such a haze I was in over the weekend that I think I talked about it on last week's podcast and I went against everything I said I was was not going to do, which is uh, actually not surprising at all and uh, very much like me uh, because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Part of also the problem I'm having today is I printed off a bunch of stuff at work as I was piecing together some of these ideas at work being at the day job at Cherokee Distributing uh, in the afternoon on Tuesday the 6th, and I walked off and left every damn one of them sitting on the printer. So were those vital to make sure this show works? No. But were they uh, were they important? Yes, they were, but I, I'll still be able to, uh, to, to to piece it together here. So bear with me, as I always say, because I always need to be bared with. Let's see, a couple things right off the top here before I get to what we're doing on the show today. At the beginning of this, that was Kevin Hart, uh, the yes, the crappy actor who can be funny occasionally, I know. Eagles win the Super Bowl, he acts a fool on TV, then apologizes, it's like, sorry, not sorry. That's going to kind of be the first segment of the show, talking about the Super Bowl and what I believe is the importance of competitive sport and how important it is for people who truly care, not necessarily Neanderthal, lunatic, crazy people in Philadelphia who are burning the damn city down, but to people who actually hold it, uh, it, sacred may not be the right word, but at least in a very important portion of their lives, yet do it less hysterically. Do that here in a few minutes. Uh, let's see, coming up uh, later on uh, to Wednesday, by the time we uh, I, I talk to you on uh, Alt 98.7 later on this week, and by the time I do the podcast next week, I will have been given my own personal tour of The Signal, the new uh, music venue down on the south side over by Finley Stadium and uh, the Chattanooga Bre- uh, Brewing Company and the crappy so- south side social over there. Hopefully this place combined with the cool things that go on over the stadium will help make the Southside Social not suck so bad. That probably isn't a podcast standalone show uh, later into the future. But uh, yeah, The Signal opening up on February 24th. So we're looking at uh, right at two weeks away. Exactly two weeks away. Uh, or Well, almost exactly anyway. Close enough. My uh, dear friend Tara V is going to be the manager of the venue. Lisa, I don't remember her last name. She was at Rhythm and Brews forever. She's been at the Revelry Room for the last uh, couple of years. She's going to be the bar manager. Chris Cobb, who has been a Bonnaroo uh, camp buddy with mine in the past, is the overall owner. Needless to say, I am happy. I am happy because this place is run by a bunch of people who seemingly like me. And if they don't like me, they do a damn good job of pretending like they do. So what does that mean for, the, for me in the future? I don't know. But it it doesn't suck. That's all I know uh, for sure. So I'll do a, a tour of the joint tomorrow. And from what I've understood from people who have been in there, it is getting really close. They have made up a lot of ground. They were behind for a while. Very behind schedule. And they have picked up the pace. And it looks like they should be ready to open the doors here in just a couple of weeks. Um, the D.C. show at Tony Kornheiser's studios at Chatter Restaurant in Washington, D.C. in April has been confirmed 100,000% uh, in email 
earlier uh, this week. I'll be recording that uh, in early uh, April 9th for a release on April 11th. I don't know what that show is going to be like yet or how important any of that's going to be or how interesting or how uh, awful or how good it'll be. But I will promise you this. I'll do as good as I can of a job to put that together. All right. Let's see. Moving along. Third segment of the show. I'm going to go down the road of this tax cut from Trump. I've been wanting to talk about this for the last couple of weeks. I, I, this is not some super uh, over-the-top, hardcore, opinionated segment. It's just it's more of that kind of anecdotal living. And I want to give you some example or at least an example of, of, of my most recent paycheck. What all this means, long-term, short-term, and doesn't mean much of anything. Do that in the third segment of the show in Stone's Throw. The death of a certain technology that is so very, very dear to my heart and I've known this is coming for a long time and it has mostly already happened but from my favorite retail store to the latest decision that they just made electronics le- retail store and the death of all the retail stores leading up to that one um it, it is official that one of my favorite pastimes almost I think is a, I think that's an accurate way of of putting it at least from a collectible standpoint is pretty much over, and it's time. It's time for it to be over. I'll get to that in Stone's Throw. So, talk about uh, the Super Bowl. One angle is that uh, it was a great game. It was an incredible night. And really, there's three angles to this whole first opening segment. The first is, I think I told you guys that I had no intentions on going to the CFC versus the uh, Dallas-friendly, the uh, MLS team at Finley Stadium because the game started at noon. That would potentially be really bad for me for the whole weekend because I am I, I have self-control, but if I put myself in certain situations, my self-control, while it doesn't disappear, it blends into a mess, if that makes any sense. And so if a game starts at noon, that means I'll be out there around 10.30 at the latest. And while I might not be bringing liquor and whiskey and gin and vodka Everybody else I know likely will be, or at least a portion of them, and they're all so damn friendly. That's part of what makes the Chattahooligans and the bond of going to these soccer games so much fun, is it is a it is a party, not a wild out-of-control out of party. It is a party that is mostly completely under control, and and everybody has kind of their place who are, who are regulars, the hooligans, and even people who aren't the hooligans who go to regular games. They know their place. They understand why they're there. Everybody uh, behaves, at least in my estimation, over the last, I mean, we've been going 10 years now, but only as a popular entity for the last going on four or five years. It's a very well-controlled event. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to be well-controlled. That just means the event as a whole is. So I thought that the idea of, of going down to a noon game, especially when it's going to be so cold, would probably be a bad idea. Well, guess what I did? Yeah, I went to the game. Shocker, right? News, news flash. Brian actually still went to the game, even though he said he wasn't going to. Uh, sorry to use the third person. But so, yeah, I went. Friends were there. Drinks were had. Weather was cold. But man, by halftime, sun came out at Finley, soaking in sun. Uh, I don't mind it cold when you're, you don't have a lot of wind and you got a lot of sunshine. Tie game 1-1 one, one, uh, in regulation. They don't do overtime, which was fine with me. I was ready to go and go back to the tailgate. Then head over to Chattanooga Brewing Company and have an uh, awesome afternoon and into the evening sitting on the porch, hanging out with a lot of different people 
and it was great. Problem is, wait for it, <laughs> problem is, all that wrapped up around, oh, I don't know, dusk? And so I make it back to the house. I'm, I'm safe. I'm sound. I don't do anything too overly stupid. And I wake up on the couch at about 2 a.m. So it is now Super Bowl Sunday. And um, now I, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, one of my favorite days of the year. Now I can't go to sleep because I've been asleep for like however many hours that is that I just said, or at least guessed at. So I have a couple of drinks in the middle of the night, watch a little YouTube, whatever, and then kind of crash back out, wake up late morning. Head over to Amigos, needed some some tacos for some reason. I felt like that's what I had to have and had a, a couple of margaritas. And then bounced around to a couple Super Bowl parties. And uh, kept it pretty pretty tame, just, just, just a little uh, drinking after that, and watched what was an incredible game. So there's the one angle. The second angle is this. And that angle, just again, is just all about me. But so the second angle here is, is that I decided to poke people on social media because I was bored. And while I was sitting at Amigos, as a matter of fact, and I said, today is truth serum day. Today is a day where everybody is is exposed for the fraudulent nature of their social media interactions from their, you know, water cooler talk from wherever it is that they're trying to get their big, bold opinion across. Oh, I don't watch the Super Bowl. Anymore. I don't watch football. These this I've had enough of this. I don't need politics. I don't need any of this mess in my life. I am not watching anymore. Except everybody still did. Well, Brian, the uh, the, the the ratings were down five uh, percent from last year. Yeah, well, they were up twelve percent from from fifteen years ago. It was the tenth most watched television program ever. You know, people getting involved with these 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 tiny percentages going either way. That doesn't. That's just fringe. That's just some fall off here and there. That's that's a seventeen year old. That's a seventy seven year old. That's a handful of people that just don't fall into this category. As much as the ratings are already bogus to begin with, it's a it's as good as it's ever been of making a, a, a at least a somewhat accurate number of who is or isn't watching this, but it's still miles away from being what is actually accurate. It's mostly bogus, and being off five, seven, something-odd percent up or down is not alarming either way. This whole idea that I used to watch football, and now I don't because of something I read on social media and regurgitated into what I can pass off as a uh, as original thought. I'm mad about that, and I'm not watching anymore. That's not true. That's not true. That's not that's not accurate. That doesn't happen. If you watch the Super Bowl every year, you gather with friends and family in a festive and holiday style gathering. If you do it every year, you still do it. You still do it. You might get on social media and make up all this stuff about how you're mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore. And I don't mean you, you, the generalized you, as I always preface. I mean the generalized person walking around. It's not true. It's not true. Everybody watches it. Why? Because it's fun. It's fun, it's festive, and it's harmless. Somebody on the thread I put out there, as I literally was, I, I admit it, being a little antagonistic, I do that occasionally, shocking there too as, as well, I know, was like, well, it's just nice to see, finally we got to see God and country be involved in the game again. What the hell are you talking about? That's what I mean. That's what I talk about. I, I put one comment to it, very, 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 very harmless, and I walked away from it. It's like That is the example of the fraudulent bullshit nature of people on social media and just the average asshole walking around. 
Oh, yeah, well, nice to see God and country involved again. What are you talking about? God and country was never not involved or overly involved either way. And it wasn't disallowed or excluded from the broadcast. This is just so fake. Have you, if you not realized, if nothing else, listening to me, at least if I'm 50% right, if I'm even half right of the times that I pick out all this fake-ass, fake outrage of this weird-as-hell, bizarre country and society we live in, I'm still exposing it for how stupid it is. Just making stuff up. If you don't like football, don't watch it. If you don't like sports or political commentary in your, uh, your, your award shows or whatever, don't watch it. That's fine. Go away. Nobody cares. Your your overall view of I'm not doing this anymore. I'm tired of it. We don't care. You listen to this now, me talking into this microphone, do not care if some random asshole decides that they don't want to watch football anymore. It's not important to any of us. But now I move on to the third aspect of Super Bowl Sunday. And what it does matter to many of us is that sports is a really, really good thing in America. I get the arguments of, you know, look at what Philly did after the game and tore the city down. And the city's so huge, they didn't tear any, you know, they didn't tear the city down. But yeah, it was, it was pretty ridiculous. Some fires, tipping over cars. I get, I get why somebody would look at that and say, what kind of nonsense are you supporting here? What kind of, what kind of idiocy are you, are you trying to get behind here? I get that, but I think that's coming from uh, just a lifelong, uh, a different, perspective on pastimes in America. I think to the majority of average, ordinary, middle class, walking around, white and black, men and women, many Latinos as well, but primarily white, black, American men and women, we really value sports. We value it as a way to uh, to teach motivation, to practice discipline, as a way to motivate children into in, into having goals. And then it transcends just trying to win a game. And it transcends just trying to win a trophy. And when you do that for your entire life, as a, as a growing up in the middle of the, middle of the pack, middle America, you really grow a, um, a fascination with being the best and winning championships and be, and be coming, coming out on top in anything in life. I think it transcends well in a lot of ways, and sometimes maybe it doesn't. You know, we can, I think I could, I could listen to both those arguments, but overall I think it does. And you could just hear at the beginning of this show, the, the, the Eagles announcers and how just insane they are and how, how, how crazy it makes a person when your team actually finally wins. I think there's a lot of value to that. I think it's something you dedicate your time to. Now, if you obsess over it and it turns into some kind of, you know, unhealthy kind of thing in your life, then I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us normal people they like to get together and watch our teams win championships. And when they do, it emotionally affects us. I was 15 years old when the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. The run started in 1991 when I was 11. I couldn't appreciate what that was at the time. You know, that was, I was, that was of course, we won the World Series. We're going to win the World Series every year. We're great. We've been great ever since I was 11. And obviously, when you're that age, you can't put anything in perspective and you don't know a damn thing, right? I've never gotten to watch as an adult my team win a championship, and I want to so badly, so badly, and it feels like it's never going to happen. And so I, I appreciate it, and I, I enjoy it, and I love to see other teams and other fan bases 
get to experience that. And that's why I was so uh, heartbroken for the Falcons last year, even though I despise the organization. And I loved watching the Georgia Bulldogs run, and I was happy to see them lose, but appreciate what they did this past year because that's so inspiring and so much fun. It really is so much fun. It does, does it mean a whole lot? The answer is actually yeah. Yeah, actually it kind of does. But it's all emotional, and you can't put a price tag on emotional. You can't, you can't put an explanation on emotion for somebody who doesn't feel it. You know what I mean? Like we can, I, I can love this girl and be heartbroken because of the situation didn't work, but I can't explain that to you outside of just you being empathetic and understanding that, oh, yeah, I get how that happens, right? I mean, I, I can't explain to you how a, f- a family heirloom that got lost in a fire uh, d- crushed my soul to lose. Now, you can say, oh, well, no, I could see how that would be awful, but you can't completely identify. Emotions are difficult to translate from person to person, except for just the thought of, yeah, I, I, I can kind of see that. You know, empathy. It's the ability to understand somebody's emotional state, but can't share it at that moment because it doesn't mean the same thing. And that's how I, I think it, it is in, in the professional sports world or college sports world or whatever sport it is that gives you great joy and great emotional satisfaction or emotional uh, disappointment. And uh, I think it's a great thing. And I love this past weekend. And I loved going to the soccer game. And I loved going uh, to friend's house to watch a Super Bowl. I just felt like absolute shit on Monday. It was awful. What are you doing with all that extra tax money, man? We don't spend it all in one place. We'll do that in the third segment of the show. But speaking of, uh, of, of, of emotional ties, a technology that was once so dear to my heart is now almost officially gone. Heads up. It's Stone's Throw. Wait, what? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? So without any notes today, I have uh, I decided to just kind of lean on more emotional-based subjects, or at least expand on them as much as I can, because I don't need notes for that. And amazingly enough, and to the surprise of not everybody, but to some, this is technically emotional segment in a way. Not really this exact second, but overall it pains my soul. More on that in just a matter of a second. Another thing I found out today as I left all the notes over at work, I also, it looks like my iPad that my brother gave me at the end of the year before last, when I first started the standalone podcast, the updates have finally caught up with it, and I'm not able to access my Dropbox, which makes the show more difficult to do. So it's not so big a deal while I'm sitting here in the palatial studios of the Stone On Air uh, home base here in East Ridge, but out and about and out in uh, when I do a tour stop, which I haven't done one yet this year, and the first one I do do will be in uh, D.C. where I won't need any of this. That makes it far more difficult as well. So it's been kind of a trying night trying to get everything together. And that does suck. I think that finally it was like, this is the last update, and now your iPad doesn't work anymore. That is one of the things about technology 
that absolutely sucks. And there are so many things about technology that are absolutely great. It just depends on how you look at things. I was perusing through uh, the internet earlier trying to uh, piece together things, and I came across this really, really boring uh, little uh, vignette uh, from MSN as just the headlines of, check this out, and check that out, and click here to find this out. And uh, rather than try to find something better, I just decided to grab a little clip of this to kind of set up the open of the Stone's Throw segment and where this emotional technology roller coaster is going to take me. It's the end of an era for CDs at Best Buy. The electronic giant says it will start removing them from store shelves beginning July 1st. And it's because of slumping sales. And we know that people aren't buying as many CDs because people are streaming music. So it's down about 18%. So it's not like things have dropped off and there are no sales whatsoever. We're just seeing more people. They're using paid subscriptions. They're using Apple Music. And that's where we're seeing the growth of uh, music sales. My car, my computer, they don't have CD, uh, what do you even call them, inputs anymore. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. called the CD player. CD player. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the dinosaur that buys CDs. Okay. Uh, I do like buy music. I I use Pandora and I use Spotify, um, but I don't pay to get rid of the ads. So you mm. can't always like you can't dial up the exact song you want to hear. Sure. So it's not the same as downloading. Um, and I get it. Like I get it. Uh, definitely, the CD players are going away. Yeah, that's um, that's the, my part. I would love to actually have CDs. There's yeah. no place to play them. Okay, so the dude there was about uh, 10 to 15 years older than me in that little segment, and the girl was about uh, 10 at least, if not maybe 12, 13, closer to 15 years, younger than me. So do I believe that if she had a CD player, she would like to own some? No, of course I don't believe that, uh, because that's where things have moved to in the world of technology, and that's how it's always been. I get it. I'm not new to this. But from the beginning of time of manufacturing music and the distribution of music, it, it comes from places that are near and dear to me. Beginning of time, meeting modern times of the, uh, of the radio, really. The radio is the beginning of that, and I am a radio guy. It's in my blood. It's one of my favorite things uh, to do is far away from uh, super mainstream or really all that relevant that it is, even though it's not completely dead and gone forever. I get all that, but not what it used to be. But from radio to then the manufactured distribution from, to just to LPs. And then uh, vinyl records. And for the all the years that it took to perfect that technology, the, the different way it was packaged, the different ways that it was distributed, the different ways that it was played, you know, for, for decades, uh, it was, uh, you know, played in furniture. I mean, your record player, your television set, once it came later on, was portions of your furniture as part of your decor, right? I mean, it wasn't just something that played sounds. It was something that also uh, decorated your living space. And it was all it was all kind of incorporated into your style, into your you know sometimes status symbol, depending on what the situation was uh, throughout the uh, the twentieth century. And and I always talked about this at the old radio station a lot that it's and I, I know some people will disagree with this, but I I firmly believe it that technology has always moved quick, right? It's always moved quick because America is the is the pioneers of technology. And we've only been around for, you know, 250 whatever it is odd years. But for a certain stretch of time, several decades, technology moved slower. 
we didn't have the advancements and we had too many you know cold war issues and whatever else you want to get into that 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 kept technology from from racing ahead once we got into the 80s 90s to certainly 2000s and in the last you know 17 18 90, however many years technology moves at the uh, you know at, at, at just a snap of the fingers and it's just it's something new every second so it's always been moving fast but it moves faster than ever now the the vinyl record was the way to listen to music for what i mean what is it i'm making up numbers i don't have again anything in front of me right now the 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 30s 40s 50s 60s where i mean were there records as far back as the 30s i can't remember i think there was victro the old victrolas uh 60s 70s and then by the 80s is when things rapidly started to change and records came and went and fell off like you know as fast as anything and over the course of the next generation, records have made a novelty comeback. They have not made a comeback in any kind of real industry, uh, needle-moving kind of way. In, in a niche market, yeah, people like to buy some records, and I'm happy to see that. I own several records. i got a whole record collection that came from my dad and the portions of records that I've bought over the last 25 years. But I'm not an active uh, vinyl record purchaser collector. But in my generation... The compact disc. The compact disc became one of the most amazing technologies of the late 20th century. And it took off like crazy. It became the new record. And so I, I'm sure there was people like the boomers and people in those in-between generations that looked at the compact disc and saw its packaging and thought, eh, I don't know about that. You know, I'm not real sure. That's that's no record. That's no vinyl record. That doesn't have that sound of that needle. Yeah, I'm sure that was all happening. But for generations from 10 years older than me and 10 years younger than me, maybe not quite 10 younger, but five younger, getting that compact disc, that was an event. And maybe saying event is a bit of a stretch, but that was a big day. Let me rephrase it. I'll go backwards. That was a big day now. You know what I'm talking about. Getting that new compact disc, if he went as far back as your memory goes back far enough to where they were in the big cardboard boxes that were like a foot tall, you know what I remember those? That was at the very, very beginning stages of the production and distribution of compact discs. So more after that, when they were in just their single packages or in the little plastic things that you would uh, that would keep you from stealing them, right, from Turtles and Blockbuster Music and uh, uh, Camelot Music, and who am I leaving out? Uh, then it moved to Circuit Cities and places like that. And having the money, having the time, having the resources to get your hands on a brand new CD that you were really excited about was a big deal. From the from the artwork, from the uh, the liner notes, the lyrics inside, which isn't always the case, but in many in many many cases it was. Was it a glossy finish on the on the inlays? Was it a was it more of a, a matte uh, recycled paper finish? The glue in both of those smelled different. They, I mean, I was <laughs> sniffing glue over there. That's not what it was, but you know what I mean. You you could smell it. It's that new car smell, right? It smells like it's freshly manufactured, and it smelled different depending on what kind of paper was used. Um, then there was other aspects of it from the, the, the liner notes in the back of the, of the, of the disc later on, was it an eco pack? Was it an eco disc? Was it made out of cardboard that unfolded? Was it the jewel case? And if it was the jewel case, was there a hidden picture 
behind the, uh, the, 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 the case part that actually held this disc in itself. You could break that, not break it, but pull it open. And usually there wasn't, but then there became this trend where people would put a picture back there. And then the ultimate thing that was so exciting was to get a new album and open it up and look at the back of the disc. And after you realize what you were looking for, you could see that there was an extra song on there maybe, maybe even two and so you had to put it in, and sometimes there were just extra tracks, and sometimes you had to let the CD play for a while. And often we had Discmans and big clunky CD players that weren't easy to operate. It's just the primitive nature of it was so, it's so fun to look back on. I don't know if this is like nostalgia all day in February on 2018, but uh, that's just kind of the direction I'm going today. Uh, it was so much damn fun. At the end of the day, it was just so much damn fun. And to listen to it for the next couple of weeks or however long and then move on to the next. Move on to the next. And and as I got older into my 20s and late 20s, I began uh, DVD and compact disc collecting. I have hundreds of both. And it was just a few years ago that I finally realized that I'm done too. I'm done buying compact discs. I was at Best Buy the other day to get a new router for uh, for for my internet here at the house. And man, that thing screams! It's nice to finally. Speaking of old primitive junk, I had a ten year old router. I got this new one. I got high speed screaming internet all over the house, so that's cool. But uh, I was looking around and saw they still had some compact discs. Like I cannot believe they're still selling CDs. And as of July of this year. They no longer will be selling compact discs, I am sad to say. But more than that, I completely understand it. And at the end of the day, I get it. You know, if if, if, if Pearl Jam comes out with a new album, I'm going to have it on disc. I mean, because that's just the collectible nature. But I'm not going to have, the probably not going to get the new Drive-By Truckers CD on uh, uh, or album on, on compact disc. Probably not going to do it. And I have almost every single one of them down here on a shelf in my quote-unquote library. And they ain't a person that gives a damn about that in the world except for me. And these days, I don't seem to really care all that much either. Technology has completely changed how we move things and do things and change things and think about things and purchase things. And it's getting real, dog. It's getting real. On the way out of this segment, this is Bad Religion. Speaking of compact discs, Stranger Than Fiction was the name of the album. I think I've used this song on another technology based uh, segment I've done in the past, but there was nothing that would work better this go-around than 21st Century Digital Boy from the old punk band Bad Religion. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone On Air podcast. It comes out each and every Wednesday. First thing, of course, you already knew that. It is your midweek download destination. Coming up next, did you get a little extra money on your paycheck here recently? You might have. What does that mean exactly? And how much should it matter? We'll get into that next on the Stone On Air podcast. My name is Brian Stone, and I will be right back. Stone on air coming up. Why do I feel like you're enjoying this? At stoneonair.com. I just got a uh, 
in the last few months, a $300 check from the U.S. government as a part of their tax rebate program. The idea here was that a certain group of people who earned a certain amount of money would be given, sent a check for $300 by the U.S. government, and that check would be used to stimulate the economy. It was the dumbest idea I've ever fucking seen. So they sent these $300 checks. I knew this wasn't going to work because nobody, nobody got a $300 check and looked at it and went, son of a bitch, free at last. God damn it. $25 for the house payment, $4 for the car payment, eight cents for gas. I'm home free. All $300 did was remind people how fucked they are. That was Lewis Black from several years back. Clearly not the same thing as the tax cuts that are going on or just had happened recently, but it's a similar conversation. That was a stimulus package that was put together in... 2007, I think, by the Bush administration. It really was kind of silly. I mean, I took my 300 bucks too. But uh, that that line always stuck out with me. All 300 bucks. The whole 300 bucks does is remind me how effed I really am. Uh, with the idea of people would start spending, the, the wheels were turning in the mid 2000s. The wars were costing so much money. Um, the housing bubble was starting to uh, really uh, begin to get to obvious levels of concern with people who were smart enough and educated to understand that. Now, simple mid-20 assholes like myself didn't have any damn idea, and I got the bright idea of buying a house in 2007. Could have been one of the most financially disastrous ideas I ever came up with. You know why I did that? Because that's what you were quote-unquote supposed to do. Luckily, it worked out for me, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I was being encouraged and advised, more importantly. Not just encouraged by people who didn't necessarily know anything other than just regular stupid life, but being advised by people who are supposedly supposed to know better, who were in the financial field, that this is something I needed to do. Wasn't quite, quite predatory, but it was close. And you put all that together, and you have the meltdown of the uh, of, of the entire financial system of our country for the for the better part of I don't know how long it lasted. What three four years, depending on um, on what your situation is. The old thing that Jeff Styles would say from talk radio is it's a it's a recession if my buddy doesn't have a job. It's a depression if I don't have a job. Um, again, sometimes it's perspective. And, uh, and anecdotally based. And that's fine unless you start to use your anecdotally based situations, which I talked about this the other week, as a barometer for how the economy's doing. And right now what I'm seeing a bunch of is it's trendy as hell right now. Are you seeing this? It's been happening for a couple of weeks now. It is so trendy for these big, uh, big, big uh, corporate uh, conglomerate uh, types to come out and be like, well, because of the tax uh, cuts, we're giving bonuses of $1,000 to so-and-so and so-and-so. We've increased minimum wage to $15. Okay, cool, good. 
things you could have already done because if you ask me without pulling the numbers and spending a lot of time, my first reaction, my first thought to that is you had the money and the wherewithal and the resources to have done these for your employees long before now. But just like everybody else in this country at this point, no matter where you're coming from or what what uh, political affiliation or ideology you have, you're using politics to get your point across. Unum was on the front page of the paper uh, about a week ago saying, we're now up to $15 an hour. You couldn't afford to have done that before, Unum? Of course you could have. You're using a political scenario to 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 push your, your big announcement. Also, I look a little bit this like, Gas prices, the the price of it, and this is not fair overall. I'm not getting into this deep, and I know somebody's going to be rolling their eyes about this, but just to get, give, me, give me a second, give me some space just for a second to tell you where I'm coming from here, is that the price of a barrel of oil jumps or falls within a couple of hours, and by the end of the day, gas prices have changed in your neighborhood. There was no reason for a price jump in Udawal, Tennessee, because the price of a barrel of oil changed in the last two hours. It's reactionary. And that's how a lot of this is right now with the, the especially the social media blast of, well, because of these incredible tax cuts, we're now going to give all our employees a, a $500 raise. Now, get back to me in a couple of years and tell me if you get another $500 raise, because my guess is you won't. If next time you get a bonus because of tax cuts, I'd love to hear about it because I don't think that I will because I don't think that it's going to happen. It's grandstanding. Let's look at me. Let's, let's pat ourselves on the back. In the end, I don't hardly care about any of this. I, I, I really don't. I got in my paycheck in the last two weeks an, an increase of $23.32 every other week. $23.32. Am I happy to have it? You're damn right I'm happy to have it. How much is that a year? $559. Not quite the $300 one-time amount that uh, Lewis Black was just making a joke about, but it isn't a whole lot different. $23.32 every other week. If anybody in America living in a middle-class way of life who has at least a semi-decent handle on how they're, you know, depending on the way the wind blows, how you feel about your life, good or bad, could you have freed up $23.32 every other week? You're damn right you could have, but you didn't. Well, now you've got it, and now you're all excited about it, except for now what? Now what? When does that market correct itself somewhere else? When is that $23.32 I get each and every other week now get absorbed somewhere else? It's not really important. It's more of a rhetorical question. I, it, it's going to be gobbled up and smothered somewhere else. But the bottom line to all this is, if this is true the way that I see it on a lot of not just headlines but subheadlines, that it's adding to the deficit, it is a continuation of the fact that nobody gives a shit about the national deficit. It is officially a dead issue, and it is officially an issue that's going to potentially bankrupt the country and be really, 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 really bad. But until that gets to that point, nobody cares. And and count me amongst the list. Count me on the list. Hands up in the air in the Palatial Studios in East Ridge, Tennessee at the Stone on Air podcast, a weekly dose for February 7, 2018. Yep, my hand's in the air. I don't care either. Well, our, our my kids' kids and my kids' kids' kids are going to be paying for that. Yeah, tough shit for them. That ain't not a concern of mine. I am done pretending 
like that I care about the national deficit. As it's clear that the rest of the country, especially Republicans, don't care about it. Democrats never did. They, they haven't cared about deficit in, you know, 50, 40 something odd years. But the Republicans pretended to care about the deficit. They made lies up about their concern for the deficit. They use that as talking points. And then the Democrats are doing it now. I get it. Before you yell and scream at me, I get it. Democrats are pretending to care now, too. Nobody cares. 20 million, trillion, billion, umpteen billion, uncountable uh, Scrooge McDuck swinging in his, swimming in his damn gold coins. Nobody cares. And that's what cuts like this, what economists say, are going to add trillions more onto the debt. And since 2000, I guess, uh, nine, this thing has been going up and up and up and up. And part of that, part of that is why the economy is so good. Do you know why this economy is so good? Have you ever stopped to look back at the, the very recent history of the Reinvestment Act that was signed by Obama that spent trillions of dollars on infrastructure improvements? The reason you have the highest speed internet access in the world, which is not true anymore. They still say that, but they're lying. But then once upon a time, they weren't lying. You know why that was? It was because of stimulus and trillions and billions spent in the infrastructure of the United States of America. And the Electric Power Board and coordination with TVA and Chattanooga somehow and innovation, whoever's, put together the building the infrastructure of of the gig. That's why you have a gig. That's why your internet's moving so fast right now. That's why the modem I just bought at Best Buy the other day works so well. I mean, I guess adding to the deficit's cool as long as your internet is really fast. So the bottom line is nobody cares. And uh, as long as we all say that out loud together and stop being liars about it collectively, then I guess, you know, I guess I'm cool with that. I mean, as cool as I can get with it, but this also comes back down to anecdotal scenarios. Just because my paycheck went up $23.32 every other week does not mean that the tax cuts are good for the economy and for the America in general. And just because uh, somebody else's tax went up or down or bracket changed doesn't mean that all of a sudden that this tax reform bill is absolutely terrible for the economy and the deficit and all of that. But as long as we continue to use our anecdotal lives to, de- to decide whether we agree with national and international and ideological policy and, and, and we just use what's happening to our specific selves and our lives, like the selfish assholes that we all are, we're never going to really truly know or understand what's going on because we're not using real numbers and caring about things that matter or should matter like 20 plus trillion dollar deficits. I get it. I just told you I don't care either. But that's a major problem that is going to blow up in this in this society's face one of these days and it might be decades away still. The the downturn of the economy, the 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 history of the modern banking system and stock market shows we have another one coming. It will be here soon. It still could be a couple of years away. Could be a couple of months away, probably more like a couple of years. It's going to happen. Just because your life is good doesn't mean the economy is healthy and the country's doing well. And just because your life sucks doesn't mean that the economy sucks or the country is not doing well. That's what the dumb, poor, a lot of times black people thought about Obama. He's here to save our lives. And that's what now a lot of the dumb, poor, white people a lot of the times are starting to think about Trump. 
Hey, I got 20 more dollars in my bank account, man. Trump's here to fix my life. Nope. Obama wasn't going to fix a poor, dumb black man's life, and Trump isn't going to fix a poor, dumb white man's life. It's far more complicated than that. But both parties are hoping that you'll both think that they have a plan to fix your life. And that's where all the narrative starts hitting all this social media these days. Look at this. Things are good now. Read this dumb article. And now it's to an all-time high of absolute bullshit online. And there's just so many people who think that one guy's and party is going to save them and the others think that one guy or gal and the other party is going to save them. And it's wrong. It's not real. It's fake outrage. It's fake everything. That is what is becoming of American society. And that goes all the way back to the middle segment of Stone's Throw. Of This is the downturn of technology. It is creating zombies, mindless zombies, who just see what they want to see and then scream it like it's fact. So if you got a few extra bucks in your bank account now because of the tax cuts, good for you. So do I. But don't act like you care about the, uh, the, the deficit because you don't, and neither do I. Clearly, it would appear nobody cares about the deficit. We only care about ourselves, and I think that is a quality of America as well, which is probably for another podcast in itself. I'm out of notes. I'm out of things to say. I'm tired. I'm going to go have a gin and tonic and go to bed and call it a night. Guys, I appreciate you guys finding the show even when it rambles on and doesn't make sense half the time. I'll get a new website before the year's over, but it might not be for until the end of the year. I don't have the money or time or effort to invest in that right now. I'll be in D.C. in April, which is going to be a uh, quite expensive trip, but going to be quite a lot of fun. I'll do the show live from uh, Washington, D.C. and some other tour stops I can put together, and I'll get my review of The Signal, the new music venue, which will be open in a couple weeks. I'll have the official tour, the behind-the-scenes VIP. That's not really, I just know Tara. She's going to let me in, take a look at the place. Do that, and I'll tell you more about that on Alt 98.7, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7. So until I talk to you again next, do not be a fraud. The truth is easy to remember. White lies matter. Black lies matter. As a matter of fact, all lies matter. Y'all take it easy. Continue to watch this space, and we'll do it again next week. See you later. Bye.